0: I'd like to welcome each one here this morning. It's good to see some of the older ones. I happen to see Wayne and Thumb in the back. It's the first I've seen them since last year when they took off and went to Florida. I appreciate what Owen had to say. And I was thinking, you know, he's appreciating Wanda, um, his life, or yeah her ancestry, but you know God brings people into your life, and I would if he would be honest, he would probably say there are things that one it just irritates him and that's I'm not going to talk about that, but that's goes along with what is life all about? what is the purpose of life? You know God seems to put people in our lives that just rub us the wrong way. Is that what life is all about? <clears throat> in Genesis two seven it says God decided to form man after his image and he breathed life into a soul and we and man became a living a living soul. Life started then and Then, God gave man two options. You can eat of this fruit, but this one you don't. So they had a choice. They had two choices. I said two options. They had two choices. And man chose to sin. And because of that, Satan told him that you will not surely die. And Satan didn't. Uh, Satan was to a point right. Man didn't die. Adam continued to live, but he had to live a life without God. And that's man. That's life. That's our life outside of Christ. We have bodies that will die. So I want to go to Psalms chapter 90 kind of goes along with um, what Owen was saying. Psalms chapter 90, I just want to read a couple of verses there. <clears throat> Verse 9. For our days are past away in thy wrath, and we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore, Years and ten, and if by reason of strength they forsook years, yet is their strength labor, sorrow, for it it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Then in verse twelve he says, "Teach us, Lord, to number our days, and apply our hearts to wisdom." But thinking of our life, you know, we think it's so important. You know, we go to, we spend all our lives basically taking care of life, but it's just a tale. It'll soon be just a tale. In other words, um, well, for an example, my my granddad, I knew, knew him, and grandma, and my grandma on the layman's side. I didn't get to know grandpa because he passed away when mom was early age but the younger of my family do not remember a whole lot about grandma and grandpa but they know stories that's a tale you know we're going to have people grow up here in church that are going to look at Jerry or look at some of the older ones and say yeah i don't have a lot of remembers of them but i i hear some stories and it seems like Maybe it's just a little depressing to think that my whole life, my whole purpose in life is to be just a story. And it is outside of Christ. What is life? If I was to ask you a question and you could answer, what is life consistent? What would you say? What is your purpose in life? You know, I grew up, grew up in in home. I went to school, got a job, bought a house. But I got married, actually, I bought a house and got married. But I got a house, spent years paying for that house had children and I come to the end of my life my family is having children and then I die that sounds sounds like what is life is that all life is and I can see why a lot of people don't enjoy life it's because life has a lot of Trials, it has a lot of heartaches. We spend years raising families where, you know, where they had to struggle through with, with crying and changing diapers and being up at night and sickness and so on. And, you know, we had that. And as we get older, and now we have some of our own struggles with uh, being older. But life does not consist of eat, drink, and be merry. That is not what is going to make you happy. People spend years seeking for something that makes joy, that brings happiness to their life. And they, you know, they seek after, well, I'll mention a few things later on, but we seek for those things, but it doesn't bring it. Oh, it's momentarily, but it's soon gone. Where's the purpose in their life? Is the purpose of your life is to get through life so that when I get old, I can enjoy it. I have have enough to satisfy me, to pull me through. I can go to Florida and enjoy it. I can spoil my grandchildren and I can just enjoy life. Is that, if that's the only drive you have in life, it can be very depressing? Because when you get to that point, James talks about being a vapor that's soon gone, and we're just a tale. It's told. I would like to look at Jesus. He had a purpose in life, and so I would encourage you to have a purpose in life. And I want to read in Luke, uh, John chapter 17. There is a, a reason why you're here. There is a reason why we struggle through these uh, hard times. But uh, Jesus here in John chapter 17, verse 4, it says, I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Jesus had a purpose that he was to glorify his father's name and do the work that he has called. And he died at a young age. Was his life futile or too short? Some people would say it would be, but yet Jesus died knowing that he had fulfilled his purpose in his life. And then we go to John, uh, Paul in Philippians chapter 3, where um, what caused Paul to continue in his life? You know, he faced shipwreck after shipwreck. He faced uh, near-death experiences, and he, you would say, Was his life a waste? Well, Paul didn't. Paul goes to Philippians 3, 13, 14. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. So forgetting those things that have passed in my life, the trials, the... um, Well, you name it. You know what's going on in your life. I know what's going on in mine. But the things in your life that drag you down. I forget those things, but I press to the prize. So in other words, he had a goal in mind in his life. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those which are before. I press toward the mark, the prize of the high calling of God. So I press, I push myself to accomplish my purpose and Paul's purpose was the finish line. So what is your purpose? What's your push? What's your drive? What keeps you going through life with a reason? And I think that there's a lot of people in life, and I'm not talking to you, hopefully. But there are a lot of people who say, I don't really know why I'm here. And maybe it's a temptation when you're older. I need to move on, but yet, God has a reason for, for you being here. So, how, what is your purpose? I would like to encourage you some things that the scripture brings out. First of all, you need to. Accept Christ as your Savior. Have Him as a personal Savior, not just a Savior, but a personal Savior. And then our life in in this life is to live with Christ. And we can do that here on this earth, live with Christ, because Christ does dwell in, in us. Now I'm just going to read some verses here and then kind of give the... Um, what, what the verse is really saying. Second Corinthians 5.18, it says, Our ministry is to reconcile men to God. That's a good purpose in your life, is to bring people to reconcile their relationship back to God. A purpose we should have is to let our light shine before men, that they may what? Through your good works glorify your father which is in heaven. Matthew 28:19 says go into all the world and teach and baptize. Psalms 22 verse 23 says praise him. Ye that fear the Lord praise him. John 15:8 says bear fruit And 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, Glorify God both in body and in spirit. Now you know you have a purpose. As a Christian, you have every reason to live. And you should have a motivating factor of what you're living for. And you should have a, a purpose now, in your walk with God. But like I said, it's sad that so many people in life miss this purpose in life. You know, if you're outside of Christ, there is no purpose because there is no hope. It's sad, but it's true that in the United States, we have 132 people a day met suicide excuse me (laughs) I I guess I get emotional when I think of throwing away God's precious gift life you know we have life where he has given that to us and then to throw it away but we do that's an average of 963 people per state per year. And it could be those that year round. 1.4, this is back in 2019, but 1.4 million tried to commit suicide. Why? No reason to live. Forty-eight thousand were successful. Globally globally, which Russia leads in that, someone dies every forty seconds. Even in our Mennonite circles, there are many young people that are. that have considered throwing away God's precious gift. And I want to say that, you know, if you're going through that, find someone. Because so often... um, Excuse me. Curtis, could you give me a glass of water? (laughs) Um, But so often, the... uh, You know, we're... The thoughts in our mind, and I think Satan puts that thought in our mind to just end your life. It'd be a lot better for you and a lot better for the person around you. But um, I think, you know, there comes to a point in life where you may meet somebody in your life, whether you work with them, whether you go to school with them, because the average bracket for suicide is 15 to 29 they come to a that thoughts in their mind but they may come to a point in their life that something is said something happens and then they they do it so I think it's if you have them thoughts in your mind seek help now because someday that could be you I would like to go, uh, the one of the reasons, two of the top reasons for suicide is poor health and depression. Now, the poor health is those who, I don't want to go through life with this handicap. You know, to face the next 30 years in a wheelchair, and then depression. You know, if you go into the Bible, um, being in into this state it's to, is being in despair or the complete absence of hope. Like, I've come to this point in life, I have no hope. Everything ahead of me, I can't, I can't handle. Saul committed suicide. He got to the point in his life where he realized that I can't go on and face what my enemies are going to do to me. Ahithophel committed suicide and there's been several you read in there who came to the point in their life of being rejected and he didn't want to face what laid ahead for him. Judas saw his mistake Looked at his life as hopeless. Ended it. I mentioned earlier, I want to go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I, I rem- uh, mentioned earlier about Satan gave, or God gave man two choices. I'd like to encourage you in this area Of God giving us each a choice. Or two choices in life. Deuteronomy chapter 15. uh, Chapter 30 verse 15 to 20. See I have set before thee this day. Life and good death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statues and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish And that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. And I think along with that life, uh, choice of life is blessing and the choice of death is cursing that both you and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land that the Lord swear unto the father, to thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. So God is telling the children of Israel, and I would like to... Give that to you. Today, you choose life or death. You know, you may say, well, there are some things, generally choices that we make in life, uh, clothes we wear, um, kind of car we drive, kind of house we live in, our job, and so on. Wouldn't necess- They're choices, but they aren't necessarily life and death. Choices Now, you may have heard a story or two where someone chose to go fishing, you might say, and, and drown, and if you'd have chose differently, that was a life and death. But I think what he's kind of referring to here is life and death means life to live with me, to be on my side. Or death is to be to not choose me. So if that's on, if that's the choices that we have in life, then maybe some of our choices do appear life and death. And I think it's you may not die physically, but you will die spiritually. And I would like to mention a couple of those that do matter. And that is the choice, the first one is the choice of disobeying scripture. There are a lot of decisions that we make as we read down through scripture that we choose in our life, whether I want to follow that or not. Oh, we can argue, we can say, well, you know, that's not really what it means. Or we may go to someone and get some counsel and they say, no, no, no. But we, ha- we are choosing, whether we come to the right or wrong conclusion or if someone encourages us, we are choosing to disobey or not to, or to follow or not to follow the scripture. Thank you. <clears throat> the person you marry is so so important. You know, he talks about unequally yoked. You can take an ungodly companion and bring it into your life, and they can tear you down spiritually, emotionally, and drain you. You say, well, if I'm married to a divorced person, some people choose that and say, you know, I've never been happier or I have more joy now than I've ever had in a past marriage. But it's sin, and that choice leads to death. The people we have as close to us are friends that we choose to follow. Proverbs talks a lot about that. The choices that we make can either cause you to... He used the example of, of the angry man... Don't be friends unless you become like them. The people we hang out like can influence us to walk away from God. Our relationship with non-believers should not be on an intimate level. And then a third area is um, the choices that we make is what we get involved in. And I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my past years of, as a young boy, curious, you know, you see someone smoking, well, what is that like? Or you see someone drinking, or what does that taste like? Or pornography, you know, what what's all in that? And. When that opportunity comes, because of your curiosity, you have to make a choice of saying no, or you're going to choose. Now you can say, well, that won't lead me to death, but I'll tell you, it leads you to a life of temptations, and it can lead you to death. If you look at um, those in, in jail and those are in, in prison, and you see those at the mission Coming in there, and you look at their lives, and say, "How could you be get to this point?" They'd all say it was the choices that I made when I was a young younger. So choices that we do have in getting involved. I I remember the, being in the basement of my friends of my dad, and they had some wine down there, and that cured me of any temptation of alcohol because I took a little swig, and uh, that was as nasty. And to me, I have no temptation to drink. I actually see someone drinking, and I say, how can you stand that stuff? <clears throat> but um, those are areas, I think, that especially you as a young people, never, always choose right. I mean, you may not experience the the joys of life, you may not experience the fun and the thrill that people tell you comes with that. Well, it doesn't. If you see, go to prison, you see those there, and you see the, their life of no hope. I would like to look at another area of life and death. We, we choose, and people are choosing today. And it's even in uh, Mennonite circles, or I'll include Amish in that, is abortion. When a, a lady becomes pregnant, she has a choice to make. That is to care for that baby, or to abort it. And according to the CDC, Center of Disease Control, and that tells you something that they consider a pregnancy as disease. they're according to a possibility in a range of 300 to 400,000 abortions in our country last year. And that's incredible. Since the Roe versus Wade, there's possibly which in 1973, possibly seven, 61 or more million abortions in the US. And I had an interesting fact that I'll present and then go on. But US, nearly half of the pregnancies are unintended. So in other words, half of people that get pregnant don't want, didn't want to. And four out of those ten, or four out of ten. So, in other words, forty percent of those that um, got pregnant because, or it was unintended, um, abortion. So, why? Why are you willing to? take a life from someone. Could be, I can't handle it. You know, I'm single, or you may say finances. I haven't finished school yet. Uh, We can't afford it. We got a house payment. Can't afford, or the baby doesn't have a father. We make excuses and before you know it, we accept it. Back in Leviticus, God gave specific commands t- to that. And I would like to read a quote from on this passage from Charles Patrick. Leviticus twenty Verse 2 and 4 says, Again thou shalt say to the children of Israel, this is God speaking to Moses, Whosoever he be that the, of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in the land, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, and Molech was an idol that they had, he shall surely be put to death, and the people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he hath given of his seed unto Molech to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do always hide their eyes from the man which he giveth of his seed unto Molech and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family. And will cut him off, all that go whoring after him to commit whoredom with me like and from among their people. So Moloch was a was an idol that they would practice. They actually, um, it was a figure of a man. They would actually had uh, the idol hold his arms out and. There would be a fire underneath it. And these, this metal idol, the people would put their baby on in these arms. And that was their sacrificing their firstborn to Moloch. And they actually had to have drums and stuff going, beating, just drowned out the, the wailing. Moloch, this is a quote from Charles Patrick. Moloch, Moloch, as described in the Holy Testament of the Bible, the Old Testament of the Bible, was an Ammonite god who required propitiatory child sacrifice. A couple sacrificed their firstborn by burning the child on the metal idol of Moloch, believing that Moloch would ensure financial prosperity. Now, remember that. They wanted financial prosperity through that. And that was why they did that. They offered it as a sacrifice, knowing that their God would give them financial um, prosperity and a future family, future children. The Israelites were forbidden to practice this form of worship as it is a stark contradiction to the sanctity of life His spouse. The sanctity of life is espoused through the Bible. So I was thinking on that: sacrificing a child for financial gain. Sacrificing a child—is that a thought today? Are we giving up children because of financial gain? Surely not. But are we? Uh, I don't want you to take me wrong with this. Okay? But some people in the Mennonite circle, or I shouldn't, Get after the Mennites, okay? In the Christian circle. Because I think there's a lot of people are being aborted today. There's a lot of people dying in the streets. And they talk about the young. There's not enough young people to support the old people here for too long. Why couldn't we saturate the earth with Christian young people to change? Doesn't that make sense? But we choose to not get to have children. But what's our reason? It's not that you chose that, but what's your reason that concerns me of why you don't? Is it financial? I've got a house to pay for. I've got a vehicle to pay for. My goal in life is to to get this, and I can't get there with a lot of children. So I would like to just in, kind of encourage you in that. What is your thought process through this? Euthanasia. What about the attitude toward our older people? What's your thought toward older people? Are they in their way in the way are they a nuisance? does it take you them take, are they taking you away from your pressing to whatever your purpose in life is? It's sad that the world does not value their older people. I really appreciate those in the church that have taken care of their elder parents and I I really commend you for that. And you, older ones, need to be really, really blessed and appreciated above that. Because in the world, the thought, and it's even legal in eight states, but the thought is to, you know, they're struggling with their health. They're not providing for the resources anymore. They're just taking of why not just give them a pill and put them to sleep and they'll be happy ever after? Choice of life and death. You know, older people face discouragement as their bodies age and activities become harder to accomplish. And this can be very frustrating, it also can be a temptation to just say, well, I'm, I need to move on. I want to leave my family behind and I want to die. And it's good to want to die and go to your, what you're striving for, but life and death, I would like to, thinking of that life and death, thinking of maybe some choices you've made in life, are making in life maybe now, what you may face here in the future, and I would probably assume all of us want to protect life. You know, we, we don't like the abortion. We don't like suicides. We don't like um, nurse families sending their older ones to nursing home and, and gone. It's very sad when you hear those that work there, of, some of them don't have a family. They're just set there and set there to finish their life here on this earth. But do we say we value life? What do we sacrifice of our, ourselves to promote life? Um, you know, the ages, we appreciate them. But do we appreciate them? And are we willing to, do, to sacrifice ourselves for them? And I know this is an area that um, maybe convicted me is they need our our prayers, but they need our visitation. And I appreciate the youth going and singing for them. And, yeah, they need us to be part of their life. We are willing to sacrifice for it, so do we. We want to promote life. We want to give them a good life. But do we appreciate them? You know, as we go get to the older part of our lives, you know, we have, what we have is right here. You know what this is for? What's it for? To help you walk. walk. What if somebody's walking up the aisle and somebody knocks this over? What does that do to the person? We lose our footing and we could fall. So I just want to encourage the children to remember the older people in their walkers. Don't bang into them because they can fall. Walk around them. But what about the abortions? You know, we say we, you know, we grieve that people die that way. You know, not given a chance to live. But are we willing to adopt? You know, we have someone who's, you know, maybe raped or someone unwed that got involved and and anyways got pregnant and, and, you know, come back and they apologize. Are we willing to support that person? Maybe, you know, financially help them where we can. Or maybe adopt a child if they're willing to. I really appreciated, it's probably been a year or so ago now that I was in a the 50 center in Shipsy. And some lady had come in and she was soliciting for things that they could sell at their auction. And they were um, raising money to do ultrasounds on young girls before they go through abortion and that the reason of that was to hear the heartbeat and maybe convincing them to keep their baby so <clears throat> we convince them are we now going to support them encourage them in their daily walk maybe if they don't financially able to or, or just can't emotionally or, or maybe because of the pain of having been raped and having that before them, are we willing to adopt? Hello. And in the suicide, are we willing to courage They're hurting? And I think maybe some, sometimes we don't realize people as we're around them, but do we support those who are helping? You know, I hear a lot of negative toward um, counseling centers, and it's true that maybe sometimes, some aren't run how you would think, but they're still helping. So can we support them in that? I want to go to Proverbs. There's a couple verses that jumped out at me as I was thinking about this. And supporting those who have come to their life with no hope. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, There are many devices in a man's heart, no, that's not the one I... Oh, no, I'm on verse 18, verse 21. It says, death and life. Now we go back to that death and life. And it's not killing someone or allowing someone to live, but it's the death of spiritual death, walking away from God or giving life and encouraging them in their, in their life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You will be judged whether you give death or life to another individual. And then verse uh, 15, verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is the breach of the spirit. The wholesome tongue, the healing, the healing tongue. And we may not realize, like I say, that someone is around us, but if you see someone hurting, use a wholesome tongue and encourage them life and not death. I want to finish this at another time. I had much more to say, so um, I'll stop here. I encourage you, in every area of your life, always choose life.